Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about value and customer perceived value, producing it, selling it, understanding it, uh, and building out more of it in your career, your life, and your business. Today, I am thrilled to have Joe Swinger, who is an entrepreneur who's uh, started a brand new uh, consultancy, if you will. Joe Swinger and I met at the, through the C-Suite Network, and Joe is uh, concentrating on helping people live a better second half of their life. Uh, wondering, they get people get to a certain age and wonder, what am I doing this for? Is this how I want to? Uh, is this how I want to live the next part of my life? And so, Joe, why don't you go ahead and give us a better description of of what you do and introduce yourself and maybe how people can get a hold of you. Hey, Mark. Hey, thank you. It's uh, so good to be on your show. Yeah, so uh, the Silver Linings Network uh, has always been kind of a passion of mine, but uh, and not, not until I left the cor- what I call corporate jail last June uh, did I really think about making it a reality. And it still took me six months because when we're in a, in a corporate environment, we are, I don't want to say brainwashed, but we are uh, like robots that when we go into our own business, we still have that mindset and we have to eliminate it. So after about six months, I finally got going on the Silver Linings Network. And it's all about making the second half of life the best half. So I, I typically, the market is about, I call over 40. And it's all about how do we make what I call the VIP life a vibrancy, impact, and purpose in the second half of life? And how do we take all the failures, disappointments, uh, you know, all the negative, you know, divorces and everything of the first half and use that wisdom in the second half to really up-level our relationships and uh, the impact we make and having a real purpose for the 20 or 30 years after we, we retire. Yeah, you know, Joe, and that's part of why I wanted to have you on because I love what you do uh, and I love how it connects to, to my value focus. And, um, you know, we, we keep hearing managers say, never waste a good mistake. And you just talked about learn, taking all of the learnings that you've had uh, earlier in your career and in your life and figuring out what lessons those taught you. And rather than that, and you didn't want to use brainwash, and I respect that. How about habituated, right? We get in a rut or in a habit, and we're used to thinking of ourselves and our lives and our career and our purpose in a certain way because that has a how we have been valued in our jobs and especially here in America, you are what you do. And so it takes a little bit of brain retraining to figure out what does that really mean? What, what am I really good at? Uh, it takes some 
create creativity and creative problem solving to actually pull in some of your passions from outside the workforce to, to create a vision for the second half of your life being of vibrancy uh, and, and purpose. Yeah, so if you think of it, Mark, it, on the job, I probably was like most people. I, I managed 200 people. I was a rock star. Uh, you're getting all these accolades. You're developing people. And uh, you're working off a strict calendar. And then you go home to your office, and you're all by yourself. And, and it's like, how do you get going when you're in that corporate mindset? You think of LeBron James making shots in front of 20,000, and then all of a sudden he's in the gym by himself and uh, you're not getting that immediate reinforcement and, and things like that. So it, it's a challenge. And especially when you, in a corporate world, you're, you're constantly, I don't want to say being told what to do, but the company is rolling out initiatives and sales trainings and, and you're just executing. And uh, as an entrepreneur, it's all on you now, right? I mean, that's, that's how you got into it. Yeah. Um, and you've got a really great story from your corporate life that talks about uh, the failure and how you turned that into kind of the first thought of what you wanted to do. Can you, can you share that for people? Well, sure. I was uh, in a company, I was about, it's been about 12 years now, but I was a, a high performer, <clears throat> but uh, I was known as the manager from hell. Uh, no one really wanted to work with me, but I got results. And then one day the, uh, the company decided to do an employee assessment, which had just come into the norm at that time. And I found out that everyone hated me. And, and so the company kind of let me know in no uncertain terms that I was going to have to turn around. And, and so I really had to. And, and here's the thing. I thought I was doing good for people. I thought I was being a great leader. And, and I realized that I was not, like you talk about, you know, being customer centric. I was not associate centric. I, so I, I really decided, I was in a hotel room in Grand Junction and I thought to myself, uh, what am I gonna do? And I decided that day, and I, I talk about making decisive inspired action. I decided that day I was gonna be a motivational speaker when I went to work the next day. And I had no idea what motivational speakers did or whatever, but I went to work to build people, to inspire them. And of course it was a learning journey. And then uh, in my book, Awaken the Magic Within, I talk about the seven essential virtues. At that time, I looked at over a hundred virtues or uh, attributes. And I said, if I was able to focus on seven what would be the seven that would really impact people? And those are the seven I came up with. And I think any leader that could adopt those seven virtues, the character and uh, the humility and transparency would catapult them to the top. And so that's really what got me started on the journey. You know, how can I better somebody's day? How can I get that person to aspire to be more than they can aspire? And, and it's a transformation, but the, the decision starts on, in one day. Yeah, you know, you were this high performer, you knew the business, you knew how to make the business work. You knew how to, what the pieces, what all the people around you had to get done. Um, perhaps bedside manner was, you know, the shortcoming, not your technical capability. And so 
you made a, a great decision and, and it looks like a kind of a success, it looks like a very successful transition in terms of style. Um, and I think you took an inventory of what you wanted to keep and what you wanted to change. And so that's understanding what you offer and changing your differentiation. But you also said something that um, my book doesn't say enough. You know, I talk about customer value and value is always in the mind of the beholder in, in the mind in my book. I harp that it's in the mind of the customer, but really we're trying to create value for our employees, value for our suppliers, value for our vendors, value uh, for our customers. And every single one of them has to feel like they're getting more than they're giving. Well, great point. And I, and I talked about uh, getting good results. I began getting extraordinary results when I changed. And here's the thing, you, you deal a lot with sales and, and I was in retail sales. And, and I knew leaders that no matter, first off, they have a lot of pressure on them, these, these sales associates. And it's like, no matter what they did, they would find something wrong. Well, yeah, you made the sale, but you didn't get this. You didn't get the extended warranty and these kind of things. And, and instead of building them up, recognize them, a great sale, what do you think you did well? And, and let them tell you and then say, well, what do you think you could have done better? And then, and let them tell you what they didn't do and then say, okay, can you put that into play on your next sale? So instead of like beating them up like I used to do, it was all about engaging and building them up and say, okay, next time you make that sale and you get that add on, come on, come back and see me and uh, I'll give you a high five. And, and so that's how I went about it. And I, and I think businesses that do that are much more successful and have a higher engaging workforce. Yeah. So you learned some leadership lessons and then you decided to leave that and go out and help people figure out how to do that themselves. It's, it's kind of meta. It's not that you wanted to change yourself into this motivational speaker and consultant. You wanted to help everybody make their own change, which is one step removed from what you did within yourself. So tell us about that transition. Well, that's correct. I, I, so I, I like to get talk to people about leaving corporate jail, but uh, sometimes they're very dissatisfied. Some, sometimes they retire. Sometimes uh, I call it the, uh, the invitation. The invitation comes two ways. You can get hit over the head with a brick through a divorce, a loss in the family, termination from a job, or the invitation can come inside as a whisper where you wake up one day and it's like, you know, I, I'm just not happy in this relationship or on this job. And so I work with people to kind of discover where, where is the dissatisfaction coming from? Why are they not waking up fulfilled? And so where are they? Where do they want to go? And many times people don't know. And so I take them in an exploration, like, what are they passionate about? What would, they, what would they love to do if they got up in the morning and they had a blank slate on in the day? And, and so little by little, you can kind of work through the stress and uh, the disillusion, disillusionment to really find out what drives them. So we talked about the VIP life of vibrancy, impact, and purpose. 
I ask them, what would, what would vibrancy look like in your life if, when you woke up? Or when you, at the end of the day, and you looked in the mirror, and you talked to yourself about how the day went? And the impact, what kind of impact would you want to make on people? Would it be a book? Is it a podcast? Do you want to volunteer? Do you just like to speak to groups? Or, uh, and then purpose. Again, I'm not talking about a big purpose, like what's your life's purpose? It's like, what's the purpose for your next year, your next five years? What do you, what do you really want to do? What's driving you inside? And to hear that voice inside, we have to shut off what I call the static in our minds. You know, that noise that says, hey, you're not good enough. Who do you think you are? All the fear and the doubt and, you know, the self-limiting beliefs and, well, I can't speak, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, this imposter syndrome and I'm, I'm sure you encounter it in your business. So those are all the starting points. And then we talk about how can we get you to where you want to go. So it's, I really believe people either need a coach or a mentor or someone to take them through the peaks and the valleys as just as daily living blink, you know, brings to us. Yeah, you know, Joe, I, I agree. I, I think there, I mean, I wouldn't say everybody. I'm sure there's some exceptional people who can, uh, who are self-examination and, you know, uh, um, self-aware enough that they could do it themselves. But, more, but I think most people need somebody to just help them see that um, you aren't as the world sees you or the world, you see your, you see, you think the world sees you differently than the world really sees you. And I want you to forget both of those things. And I want to have you introspect and, and look inside yourself to find out what's really there and what really moves you. Um, because that for a person, for what an individual human being offers to the world and wants to um, transact with the world, what, how they want to interrelate with the world, what you uniquely want out of life, what you're uniquely good at, uh, what you are passionate about, uh, that is finding your true differentiation in the world. What makes you different and special? And so then once we know that, how, how can we turn that into uh, something that uh, puts bread on the table? How can we monetize that? And who cares? And what does that look like? And how much do they care? What, how, what, what will they pay for to get that from you? Well, that's uh, a great I, point, Mark. Uh, I, I like to call it the divine discontent. It, it's something that people have for years. I have known for 20 years that I was put here to do something greater. And and, and so what we try to do is like, we work with our jobs. So you have a job, I, you're not really happy. It's not what you want to do. So you kind of play games with, okay, what can I do on the job that will give me a level of satisfaction? And so I became very associate focused and inspired them, uh, try to get them to become leaders, uh, even quit the company if they wanted to go back to college or start a business. So for me, it had to be all about the people because otherwise I would feel I was not doing any, I wasn't doing my life's mission. And, and so many people, you know, they say, I'm going to wait till the kids grow up and leave the house, or I'm going to wait until, you know, ABC, I don't have time. I don't have money, but they still have this discontent inside that they know 
there's something they should be doing. And that's really the powerful inner voice speaking that when you can finally leave a job and spend 24 hours on your life's mission is when things begin to change. Because I, I, I wrote at night for years and I, I published books, but I was never able to be as great as I could be until I left that corporate jail. You know, I, I don't want to get too woo-woo here, um, but I've heard the saying that when you make a commitment to a direction, uh, the universe conspires to make you successful. And yes, you're, you're uh, absolutely right. That's what know, the when, law of attraction is. Yeah. You know, and um, you know that the law of attraction is a little bit too woo-woo for me. And uh, but it, doggone it, every once in a while it seems like it works. And um, you know, when I was a consultant with this big company, on the day, almost to the day, certainly to the week that I decided I'd had enough on it, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, I got a big client for my own thing. Even yes, though, and, and I think... And, and then um, that was in an environment where they said, you can do your own stuff as long as it doesn't compete with us. And I you know, actually showed them my stuff and they said it's not competitive. So it, I, you know, I wasn't um, breaking any rules with the company. But then, uh, so I kind of fumbled along with that for, for six months or a year. And finally, uh, I decided that you know, the company was trying to change my contract and change my agreement and with some um, terms and conditions that I just couldn't live with. And on the, literally on the day I sent them an email saying, look, I'm done negotiating with you. You're happy with me, but I can't live with this contract. Let's just cut ties. Um, and on the day I sent that email, I got another client. Um, and things started happening in my business and in my personal life. And so, um, and I, I can, I can attest that having the courage to, to jump, you know, uh, and I, and I'm just cynical enough to, to make fun of the saying, jump in the net will appear. And, and I'll say that, you know, the, you only hear from the people for whom a net appeared because the people who didn't hit a net, you'll never hear from them. And there's a reason for that. But um, a lot of times when you decide you're going to do it, uh, do something different with your life, you, you make the rest of it happen. You, the, the gaps in what you thought about, uh, you, you learn about them and you, you drive through them. Yes, it, I think a lot of people let the how stop them. You're, you're filled with fear and doubt in, to begin with. And then it's like you don't see the how, like in your case. I don't believe you saw the how on how you were going to get those clients or how you were going to make it happen. So you, there's a saying, act as if. So you just act as if you, are, you already have the clients or you see them, they're going to be coming. And that's kind of like, so as soon as you made that decision, the client started coming to you. Yep. And it, that's, so that's what the attraction is. When you, you live from a uh, place of abundance, thinking that the clients are out there, there's enough of it for everybody, they're gonna come, rather than a place of scarcity, of the fear and doubt, and you know, how am I gonna pay my rent, and those kind of things. So when you, you have to get into that abundant mindset. And it's, it's great to start on the side. I, start, I was a part-time coach 
and writer when I had the full-time job. But at a point, you, you realize you, you can't do the training, you can't go to the workshops, you can't meet clients, everything's got to be around the work hours. And it was really starting to hurt my business. And so that's when I just decided to leave. Yeah. So I, I was just going to ask you, the, uh, how did you make that transition yourself? Because you went from the manager from hell to what sounds like a pretty good manager to a pretty good manager who is moonlighting as a coach to now you've, you've got this. And it's, it's interesting you transitioned from being a great coach to coaching other people on how to help them find their next. And uh, how big was that transition? Or, or you know, what, what happened to get you from, I wanna be a great coach to I wanna help people find their why and build a, a great life of vibrancy, impact and purpose? Well, like I said, it took me about six months. I, I, I had to organize a calendar. I had to, I was doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of Zoom meetings uh, before, you know, we, we all started doing it. And it, it just took, like, you have, to, you have to find a niche. Who are you going to work with? Who are you passionate about? And, and so that's why I love the Silver Linings Network. I just love working with people in the second half of life because I have done such great things in the second half. And I have been, uh, been down to nothing in the second half. I... I lost my home uh, a number of years ago during the financial crisis. Uh, I, you know, I, I wrote a book, uh, so I have had highs and lows, and I, I know what it takes, and I, I know the fears. You know, you know, you start getting older, you're losing your health, you're losing your looks, and it's like, well, why should I do this? I don't have that many years left. Your spouses and partners are telling you, you know, you're kind of crazy, and it's just a lot against us at that time. And we have to celebrate it. One more year, if we have a year of life left, it's, we have to make it our masterpiece. And so that, that's what I love about it. And it was, uh, so I would watch language on the job with my peers and, and leaders. You know, I'd open the door for a manager and they would say, Oh, another day, you know, in a bad way. And I would say, it's another day to impact lives. You know, why look at your eight or 10 hours on the job as, as wasted? If we're going to do great things, we have to be great 24-7, not, not the 16 hours when we're at home. And yeah. so living it day by day, all of a sudden you'll find out that's just who you become. You know, Joe, uh, it's so inspiring to listen to you and talk to you. Um, are you finding um, where if you if anybody's listening to this in sometime in the future, we're recording this in middle of June 2020. Um, we're struggling with when and how to come out of COVID right now in the news. We're um, worried that we're on the precipice of uh, a resurgence of COVID and uh, there's uh, racial tensions. We've, we've just had um, a lot, you know, we're in, still in the midst of a lot of, of demonstrations. And so it's a real unsettled time. Are you finding people kind of taking stock right now more than they were? Uh, yes and no. Uh, there's a lot of dark energy out there that people feel that uh, they feel helpless. It's like what I was talking about, that victim role. And 
we talk about the silver linings and what are the silver linings of COVID? And they are immense. I mean, never has the country had such a work-life balance. I, I've talked to so many people that are enjoying working from home that they don't want to go back. And, it, and it's like the people that have lost their jobs, many of them probably wanted to get out of the job. It, and this is a perfect time to take stock of what do you really want to do and maybe start down that path of, of your own business or your own coaching or writing or whatever you want to do. You know, people have strengthened their relationships, but some people, if they've been home with a partner for, you know, these three months, maybe found out, you know, this is not what I want to do. And, and so we really have to look, quiet down all the noise and get centered with ourselves in a state of mindfulness and listen to what do we really want to do? And you, you have to shut off the media and the fear and, you know, people say, how can I help? You know, you were talking about a lot of the tension out there. What is your core competency? Like we say in business, how can you impact people? You can't do everything. You know, I'm not going to go protest, but how can Joe impact people uh, that are in unfortunate circumstances in my unique way? So that's what I would encourage people to do. But this is a great time. We have almost seven months left in the year, about six and a half. And you have to double down and make this one of the best years of your life. You know, I, I look back at my life. Uh, I've, you know, I've had at least three careers um, and I got booted by uh, an economic downturn by the, and I lost um, a job and had to find a completely different industry uh, during the dot-com bubble because I was in telecom and um, there was half a million people. When I was laid off out of the telecom industry was a year there was a half a million people in the telecom industry you know, um, also laid off. So there was there was no jobs in that industry. And there was at least 300,000 people who had learned about that job before I had. So, uh, and then I uh, got another job in commercial real estate lending and had to uh, lose that job in the in the financial crisis. So I am in looking back on it, I am blessed to have been forced to practice my craft in completely different industries and to learn what the truth of what I had to offer was by stripping off that industry expertise and industry experience. What is the personal experience you can bring to any industry? And I, I am lucky that I was forced to do that, but it took some introspection to realize that I wasn't just um, a walking set of, you know, eight year disasters, but that I, had been given an opportunity to learn and develop and figure out what my truth was, which is kind of why I'm, uh, I was lucky enough to be here now. I think that's one of the things that makes you successful because people, people, uh, you know, if they could smell out a, a phony, you have to pass a smell test. If you're not authentic today, people are going to see it and to be transparent and humble, I mean, that is the way to really engage with people. And as a coach, you know, there's many coaches that will get a client on the call and say, okay, what do you want to talk about today? You know, the, the coach is the one driving the process. 
the coach is the one that's taking you on the journey from point A to point B, or the sales manager or the leader of the, of the department. That is the way you have to work with the people. But when you can communicate on an emotional basis, which you do quite well, Mark, that's when you're going to get people that they're going to give their all for you. They're going to do whatever they can because they know that you're out for their best interest. And, and that's really what great leaders do. You know, inspire others. Yeah, Joe, I, I don't want to even restrict that. With all due respect, I don't want to restrict that to leaders. As you were describing, somebody who helps understand uh, what you offer and, and what, uh, I mean, somebody go back and listen to that entire last minute and apply that to a great salesperson who is a guide to a customer, to an unfamiliar journey for a customer. Because in a lot of high-end business-to-business selling, the customer doesn't have a predefined process because they don't know exactly what they want. And so you have to be a coach for your customer. And um, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I waited till like minute 29 of this podcast to kind of tie that back to, to sales, but you did it brilliantly. Thank you. Well, you're absolutely right. The great salespeople are going to make that connection. I came in the technology business when computers were just coming out and I would have texts that would just, you can imagine, confuse people with all the terminology and they would say, I'll think about it and they'll walk out and go to a competitor who really asked, you know, what do you want to do? Instead of explaining all this stuff about digital cameras, they would say, hey, would you love to, you know, would you love to communicate with your family while you're on the road? Here's what dial-up internet can't do, but you, with high speed, you can connect and see your kids when you're on a business trip. And it's those emotional touches that today, uh, you know, sound cars. You know, people talk about the, you know, the old stereotypes. There are great car salespeople out there who will give you that car exactly to meet your needs. And, the, you know, the businesses you go out and train, I, I'm sure that's what the kind of thing they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, we, is there anything else you want to share that we haven't touched um, before we wrap it? No, I, I just want to, you know, I usually give people three things. The first thing is you, you have to take 100% responsibility for your life from this day forward. In the past, blame your parents, blame your ex-spouse, whatever. But today, you have to take it and then take decisive, inspired action. Today, like an Olympian, today I am going to be in the Olympics four years later. And then you have to go to the work and then start the day with some kind of vibrancy ritual. Like most success people have a morning ritual, whether it's journaling, uh, meditation, writing, walking, start the day in a great mind and then make that day your masterpiece. Yep. That's great, Joe. Thank you. So how can people get a hold of you? Well, they can reach me at joeswinger.com. Uh, I do give people a 45-minute VIP strategy session if they want to sign up. Also, uh, my Silver Linings Facebook group, uh, I just launched it. It's at Facebook slash group slash The Silver Linings. And uh, in there, we're going to have uh, what I call my VIP talks where people over 40 are going to speak on vibrancy, impact, and purpose. And I give a lot of value. I do my cup of joe. Uh, we do uh, speaker spotlights. And it's all about how do we make the second half of life the best half. Yeah. 
So joeswinger.com, right? Yes, sir. And don't Google Joe Swinger because you'll get a lot of the wrong results. Um, sorry, that was your joke and I stole it. Yes, uh, uh, those a uh, lot of a uh, lot of pictures that are not of mine. <laughs> All right, everybody. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today on the Value Clarity Podcast, and and everybody, thanks for joining us for this episode, uh, where we remind you that value exists all in your customer's mind, and so your success with your customers or with your associates, with your employees, is all in your customer's head. Thanks, and go have a valuable day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.